0: Hey, the qualification in, in your department, Matt, does it start with you blowing the dust bunnies <laughs> out of the hammer? Is that how that works?
1: It, it's, <laughs> it's funny, Clint. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, Your hosts.
2: This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of of TheLawOfSelfDefense.com, Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, The Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Pressers. My name is Clint Macro, and this is my esteemed co host,
1: Matt Mallory. And we have a special guest tonight, Mike Seeklander. Mike, you are military, former military, right? Current law or former law enforcement. You've taught at FLETSE, you've taught at uh, uh, Federal Air Marshals as well. Uh, Nationally ranked competition shooter, published author. Uh, Now, is it three books, right? You're up to three books.
3: Uh actually uh actually four four books four. and a couple log book that log books that kind of support the books, but four primary books, three training books and one instructor book.
1: Very mm-hmm. neat. And and uh you're also a contestant on Top Shot on the yeah. History History Channel as well. So we've yeah. we've had Chris Serino on in the past and um Frank Maloney's done cameos for us as well for our show. So
3: yeah. Don't forget Mike Hughes too. Mike
1: Hughes, yeah, Mike That's Hughes. Right.
3: The big man, Mike Hughes himself. Yeah, pistol designer.
1: Yes. Yeah, you mentioned sir. I don't even know why that eluded my mind. Yeah. So, what else did I miss? What else do you have going on? What kind of uh, what kind of things that do we uh, not know about you?
3: Um. Well, I don't know if there's anything you wouldn't know about me if you if you've read my bio. I mean, I am uh, like you said. I was a former marine. I was in the Marine Corps from uh, active duty from '90 to about '94. Then I went back to active duty and did some what's called active duty special work uh kind of drug stuff and then got out of the marine corps and went pretty much right into uh, law enforcement in knoxville tennessee so i was with the knox county sheriff's office for a while and then i went to the knoxville police department and uh was a local cop for for years until 9 11 happened and that's when i got hired by the air marshals um because of some of my shooting background and experience i was uh uh, fortunate enough i guess you could say to be the lead instructor be Called the lead instructor for the fan program during a lot of the night post 9-11 buildup And uh, of course had a dozens of instructors supporting me. So I didn't do certainly all of this stuff I had a bunch of people that were helping me guys and gals uh, Then fletzy as an instructor uh, And then uh, moved on actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma where I came out here to run the u.s shooting academy years ago And then after that thing kind of dissolved onto my own business. So uh, like you said published a few books and uh now I travel and teach and compete. I'm a sponsored uh, shooter with team Wilson combat. Nice. So I shoot Wilson combat guns and um, I'm tan because I just got back from Arizona <laughs> teaching a class <laughs> with uh, Mr. Rob Latham. So that's Very about cool. it, man. That's me in a nutshell.
1: That's awesome. So now that's your prime, the primary, uh, primary thing that keeps you the busiest is teaching classes, right?
3: Well, you know, I, I would say it's um, it's certainly, that's what keeps me on the road the most. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm split between uh, creating content, uh, content and running the American Warrior Society. I have two, mem- basically two membership sites where we have all of my content that I've ever created. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I was the co-host of the Best Defense. This year, we didn't do the, the Best Defense. So I'm whatever we are seven seasons into the Best Defense. So between travel and teaching, filming, and trying to keep content produced for you know my many um, friends and family members in the industry, mm-hmm. you know my students and. And alumni. That's that's pretty much what I do to to stay busy. So very nice.
0: So of uh, your classes that you teach, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, who's your favorite audience to teach, to teach to? I'm sure you do a, a good mix of uh, law enforcement as well as as uh, <clears throat> citizens and uh, law-abiding gun owners.
3: You know, man, I don't know if I could say my favorite. Um, I've had the fortune to teach a, a few classes to um, some of the military special operations folks, you know, and and the, the Navy and different branches. I don't do a lot of that. You know, I'm not someone that goes and travels and teaches them, but those, um, those members of the military, you know, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, uh, Army, Navy, um, they're, they're special to me because they're out there doing the job. So you know, as a former Marine, if I can work with groups like that, I really, really love working working with them. Uh, you know, when you start to work with kind of the upper end guys and gals, they're, they're, um, they're fun to work with because of their work ethic. That said, uh, you know, if, if, you could, if I could go and just teach, you know, highly specialized military or law enforcement groups full time, I wouldn't give up my open enrollment classes where I get to meet you know, the, the civilian people, uh, the civilian cadre of people out there, sometimes, you know, most of my classes are mixed classes, but I love to meet the average person. You know, I call them the average Joes and yep. Josephines that they just want to get better. So I would, I would never trade them for, you know, some specialized clients, even if, the, even if I'd make better money doing that. Um, I just love the average individual that likes right. to get better because that's, that's where I came from. I'm not a special person. I didn't get, uh, I was not a great athlete in high school. I had to work years and years and years to become a good shooter and get to the level on that. So I like, I like helping those folks the most.
1: Cool. So that, that being said, is there one specific thing out of teaching somebody new that you enjoy the most such as grip or stance or marksmanship versus defensive and anything like that that comes to mind?
3: That's a great question, man. I hate to be wishy-washy, but no, it's fine. It's no, I, I don't really prefer anything. I, I like um, well. Here, I, I give you an example. I, I like the balance of both. So I do about half and half defensive and half half competitive. And if I did only defensive, uh, I think that would get boring because defensive is is great because it's context specific. I mean, you're talking self defense, but there's also a whole world of tactical theories out there that are, that are you know, unless you're uh, an, an avid gunfighter that's out there on a regular basis, gunfighting on a daily basis, there are a lot of theories out there. I think the U.S. Yeah. military and law enforcement, they've proven a lot of those things to be the true or untrue. The good thing about competition classes, though, the reason I like the balance is they're purely based off speed and accuracy. So if I can do it more accurate and faster than you can, my score is going to be better. It's a right. simple mathematical fact in the competitive context we know that we have to put two shots on three targets that are pre-located over there and that's all we have to do Mm -hmm. we don't have to react to what those three targets do and we don't have to react to what the other targets around those three do assuming that they're just static targets now granted sometimes they put no shoots in front of them or whatever else but the point is those are all known factors right Mm -hmm. you know in the defensive environment on the opposite side of the spectrum you know a lot of people talk about this whole active shooter thing imagine being in a restaurant where you have your have potential people from two yards to 15 yards away, and then a potential threat that could be two yards to 15 yards away. And then when things happen, everything is moving and everybody's making their own decision. I think that's the context that separates it. But you know, nice. one of the things that Rob Latham and I talk about in our class, the class is called the bigger circle is it, shooting is shooting, irregardless of the end uh, or the, 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 the outcome that you desire meaning why are we shooting well i'm shooting to win a match or i'm shooting because now i have to defend my family because someone just kicked like my that front door but shooting a handgun is shooting a handgun so it's the psych psychological side of it yeah psychological you know the pre the preemptive the pre the pre-shooting actions and then probably the post-shooting actions mm-hmm. you know what do we do after that last shot is fired on a competitive situation? after the second shot is fired, we're going to the next target as quickly as possible. In a defensive situation, I don't know, is one shot going to work or two shots or 10 shots? Who knows? And then what then? Is there someone else? Where do we move to? What do we do? You know, there's a lot of things to think about there. One of the
0: first articles that you had written that I read was on PDN about the family defensive strategies for the armed individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a great, a, a great article to kind of get people into that mindset of being that family first responder and some of the things they might need to consider in that context. And uh, one of the things you did touch upon was, was with the angles, you know, if there's lots of people and there's chaos, maybe changing that shooting angle might, might preclude that overpenetration or that hitting of the innocent bystander. Uh, I like reading people's what I would consider like basic articles and see what their basic thoughts are as far as what they, you know, the first thing they would say to anyone that they're going to instruct uh, I really like that article. I thought that. Was yeah, cool. well,
3: thank you, man. Yeah, that and the, you know, the angles for your viewers or listeners that he's referring to are just having the ability to understand that. A lot of times, I think we get stuck in this one-dimensional world where here's a target, here's me, and I'm practicing to hit the target, and to yeah. be a good shooter, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start there. But then that would be a great, uh, you know, uh, maybe a great example of the defensive context is the fact that hey. I have the ability to shoot you, but now I need to move offline to the left or the right, not to get out of the way of bullets and try to get off the X or some cool term like that, but more importantly, to clear and be able to take a shot. And then, you know, there's this angle, there's this angle, and there's a, a variety of other things we can do to affect that now. That's what that uh, article was based on. But yeah, thank you for reading that.
1: Yeah, that makes me think of the AI concept, the choir identify, isolate, isolating, not just getting off the axe, moving off the tracks, whatever, but also isolating other things around you, what's before and beyond that target so that you're not shooting through a bad guy or the bad guy moves and then you hit an innocent person.
3: Yeah, and like you said, it's a great, you put a great, that's a great way to say that everything's going on. There's what's in front of them, what's behind them, and, and how those things are changing based on what he or she is doing. So it's a really dynamic situation so
0: you yeah, we had chris Sereno on the show a little while ago and one of the things he said that i thought was pretty cool and i'm, I'm sure you would agree with this so I'm, I'm guessing he would you know we can't control anything that side of the barrel right you know, so we need to be sure that we're, we're keeping an eye on that and that's gonna that's gonna poss- potentially change what we need to do to respond
3: yeah you know um it's like in some of my defensive hanging classes we do what i call clear and draw where we're where I teach students a method to draw the handgun and put some of these just basic draw process movements together and at the same time clear someone out of the way and don't don't think push them out of the way because that doesn't actually work but get into position to shoot where the individual in front of you whether it's a known loved one or someone else can't get in front of the muzzle because I completely agree with what Chris said we control this you know we control everything from here in we don't control what they're doing so i need to put myself in a position where they can't get in front of my muzzle, uh, or uh, you know, they can't affect the outcome of what I'm doing because that's all I can control. Hi, this is Carrie Sloan from We the Female, and you are watching Meet the Pressers. Meet the Pressers. I had um, a guy on my podcast recently, and he is the he's in charge of the California Gun Owner Association. Um, mm-hmm. And one of, one of his points on the on the podcast was, you may not live in California, or this state, whatever—New Jersey, or New York, or California—one or of these places that that is constantly pushing for legislation for gun control and trying to right. control the things that are exactly the opposite of what they should be controlling. He said, "You don't—you may not live there," he said, "but understand this stuff is is growing. It's like a fungus or a virus. He said, you yeah. let it succeed in one area, it's going to blow into the next state, mm-hmm. and it's happening. You know, you look at the yes. the states surrounding California." um and they're you know they're they're suffering from all these folks that have moved from some of these places that feel very strong politically about you know gun control or gun legislation and they moved to Wyoming and try to enact some of the same crap so yeah. even though I sit here and say there's there really isn't a lot of state groups like I'm not a member of the Oklahoma state gun legislation group that I don't think there is one but I think those of us that are in states like mine uh probably should be supporting however we can, those groups in the other states that have uh, the battle of their lives going on right now. Yeah, good point.
1: I heard somebody say Florida is like that. A lot of people moving from Florida down, or from other states, New York yeah. specifically, to Florida. That's why Florida is having some hard times now because they're seeping into the politics.
3: Yeah, I would I have heard that too.
1: So funny fact, I did basic and AIT in Oklahoma back in the 90s, Fort Oh, Sill. wow. for Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yep. just down the road, man. So what what month were you in the hot months of Oklahoma? Yeah, it was
1: the- it was uh it was summer months. So yeah, that's I guess I ended up uh let's see it was uh right right through the summertime cuz I I literally graduated high school and went straight in. Yeah,
3: that's hot, man. You don't want to be down here in July and August. No, nah, I mean I'm coming from New York,
1: so I'm used to cold winters. Down there it was like and right. I think in the in the cold time when I was down there it got cold at night and we had some snow on the ground, but it was like gone by the time the sun right. came over the so that was interesting, snow and yeah. yeah. nice weather.
0: Yeah, I never did any training in Oklahoma, but I had one of the worst uh, hotel experiences in Oklahoma. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> the Thunderbird Motel or Hotel, Motel in uh, oh, Tampa, 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 Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. I made it from Pittsburgh to there in one driving session. We were asleep. Well, I wasn't asleep, but my wife was asleep. Just Sleep. found the closest hotel, pulled off the road. I unloaded my truck. I had, an op- I had a truck with, with a bed. Yep. Got all the gear inside of the hotel room, went to wake her up. We came and turned the lights on and all of a sudden it was like, Psh! you saw oh, the bugs running around. <laughs> yeah. We slept on top, of, uh, on top of the sheets with a dirty, dirty t-shirt over top of the pillow and just kind of like roughed
3: it. Right. Yikes. Smart don't, Yikes. don't touch the sheets, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's crazy. Cool. So out of all the, uh, the people in the industry, who, who would you consider a mentor?
3: Uh, well, certainly tours, Rob, Rob, Rob Latham, um, certainly probably my biggest mentor in terms of shooting and, and uh, competing. Um, uh, who else? I mean, I, you know, when I started shooting, I had, I had a very strong interest in competing. So I went and, and trained with all of the great top practical shooters back in the day uh, Jerry Barnhart, uh, certainly my first private instruction or first instruction was from, uh, Frank Garcia in Florida. Train with, I pretty much trained with everybody, anybody who, and anybody who's, who's out there. Um, you know, I've had some influence with some, some martial artists and some other folks, but probably Rob Latham in terms of shooting okay. is one of my bigger shooting mentors. What was the genesis of the show? Like how
0: did, how did you get involved with, with, uh, Best Defense?
3: Well, um, so uh, years before I was brought in as one of the co-hosts, um, Rob Pincus came to the U.S. Shooting Academy, and they needed an expert on a couple. Of, he used me on some of his PDN videos, and then uh, they needed something for one of the shows. I don't remember what it was. A matter of fact, I think I did some sort of close quarters piece with a guy that was one of the instructors of the U.S. Shooting Academy. Uh, And that went well. And then I got to know the other uh, co-hosts, Mike Janich and Michael Bain. And then Michael Bain used me for a couple episodes of the shooting gallery, you know, and I had been filmed for some of the different shooting events out there, the nationals, or I'm not even sure what they were. Uh, And then um, when they decided or Rob decided to move on and do his own thing, and I'm not sure exactly how that worked out. They were looking for a gun guy Mm -hmm. that had a a variety of shooting experiences and, and background in terms of, you know, law enforcement. Shooter instructor and stuff like that. And and they, for whatever reason, thought about me and gave me a call and, and, uh, I was humbled to, to get on the show. And then I had to figure out how to teach what I normally taught in hours or hour in three minutes,
0: you know, TV is totally <laughs> to, to a camera, not to a bunch yeah. of people right. <laughs> I Been
3: I on camera quite a bit. That didn't bother me that much, yeah. but it was having to be compressed in such a time frame. where as an instructor, you're like, I can't really teach you this without establishing this and this and this and this. Sure. First. And they're like, no, just you, you, this is assumed this and this and this and this is assumed teach them this. And then, you know, it's, it's a weird deal, yeah. especially if you're not someone that's edited video before, I mm-hmm. didn't have a picture of how it would come out in the end. So they had to kind of force me through that square <laughs> hole, or maybe I was a round peg and trying to force me through the square <laughs> hole, whatever it was, but uh, with the help of Mike Janich and, and Mike Baines' coaching, I was I eventually learned how to instruct on camera. Hi, I'm Mike Hi, I'm Brent Lentz, Next Level Training. Hey, let's meet
0: the pressers, Matt and Clint.
3: Meet the pressers.
0: If I were to pick out your, well, for lack of a better terms, fundamentals class, yeah. what class would be the essence of, of the Mike Seeklander Kung Fu when it comes to to uh, civilian uh, defensive firearms usage.
3: So you're talking about a physical in-person class.
0: Right? Yeah, physical in-person on the range or in the classroom class. Yeah.
3: So I teach um, two two classes. There's the defensive handgun program, which is a two-day program, and then there's there's the competition, and they're all they're both two-day programs. They both start at the same level. I hate to say the word basic, but they start at the fundamental level, so mm-hmm. we can fix all of the problems. But And I don't mix the two. I don't say, hey, although the shooting is the same, they're both handgun courses, the shooting is shooting, but the defensive handgun, we literally start off with, you know, like a a distance and a timing lecture. Like, hey, you're a civilian or even law enforcement gun toter. You want to use this gun to defend your life. Here's some things we need to discuss and you need to understand in terms of actually reaching for that handgun, because it's not as simple as you think it is. Um, so, I do that lecture, but I would do the defensive handgun level one or the, the, the first level program, which everybody's required to do. And I've, I've had people that, like, ah, I want to do advanced stuff. I'm sure you guys have heard that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've been around yep. the industry, everybody wants to do advanced stuff because they've been, you know, they've owned yep. guns for years. Um, <laughs> I, I never, ever let someone do that unless I personally know that. And everybody that's ever attended one of my classes, like to the level of a grandmaster or distinguished master level shooter that's taken the defensive handgun program. Not a single one of them has ended the class and said, man, I didn't need that. I, they say, wow, you taught me some things that I had no idea I didn't know. And I yeah. should have at this level, you know, so. Right. Do two-day defensive hanging up program, man. It's a solid, cool. it's it's the it's the course to take. So. Very yeah,
0: nice. A lot of times I'll have the opportunity to go jump in on someone's advanced level class, but I find more value in taking those fundamentals courses or those basic classes because, well, I mean, advanced classes really, unless it's very specific niche oriented, that's just, it's the fundamentals in more context or more complexity.
3: Right. So, and, I to- and, also, I agree. Yeah. and
0: you can also, you know, from someone who's an educator, like we all are, I, I learn more about the methodology by taking that basic class. Yep. And it'll let me know if it's something that I want to buy into and maybe offer my clients too, as opposed to just jumping into an instructor course. Right.
3: I will often have very high, I mean, Good shooters that I would look at and say, man, this guy or gal, they're a good shooter. Take that class uh, or even my baseline competition class and then come come to me and say, man, I really would not have expected this, but you showed me some things on the grip or the trigger that I had never thought about or the draw. You know, I'll often get the, that right there. The whatever, what you just said was worth the price of admission. What, nice. and when you get that kind of stuff from a good shooter, yeah. Yeah, To me, that's huge. That's really, really a valuable comment.
1: I've always had that mindset that if, if I take a class, I had somebody say that to me. He goes, one of my students, he's like, I'm going to Sig Sauer to take a class. I'm like, well, when you you going? Maybe I'll go with you. And he's like, why, why would you want to do that? You could teach the class. And I was like, if I can learn one thing from that class, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. even if it's something, you know, the way that the instructor taught it. And I, and I take something from that. Not it doesn't necessarily have to be the content itself, but mm-hmm. if I can glean something from that, that I can use as a individual shooter, but then also as a, as an instructor, then it's, it's worth it. Well, it's yeah,
3: you're an instructor. So you're thinking along the different lines and being yep. able to watch someone else instruct, yep. that's critically valuable. A matter of fact, I would submit to your audience that if they're trained with an instructor, that's not still going to classes and training, they probably need to find a new instructor.
1: Well, it's been awesome having you on. Anything else on your mind that you, uh, that you want to get out that we, ha- we haven't covered?
3: No, man. I would just, you know, if people want to know more about me, they can go to, you know, either of my websites, mikeccleaner.com. So if you remember my name, it's easy to find. Everything is on there. Um, I would tell them to look at the free content first before they pay for anything that I offer because mm-hmm. I think once they follow me for free, uh, they'll be excited to, to pay for maybe the things that that would meet their needs. So for those of you that are on Facebook, the Facebook, love to see people jump on. I'm live on Facebook every Wednesday morning. that's what that's my give back. Um, it's and I've I've been doing this for three years now going live every week. back in the day it was five days a week. now it's only once a week for free and I teach all of the same stuff that you can find on my program. so um, that's awesome. So I'd love to see people online. Very cool. Oh, cool. Keep,
1: keep doing a good job
0: well, thank yeah. you, man.
1: Yeah. And, stay, and stay safe, brother.
0: Yeah, Thank you for your time and just let me know when you want to start that audio book. <laughs>
1: okay, I uh, will. That's
0: <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, you have yourself a happy holidays. Thanks, okay. guys. Have a good Take day. Care.
1: You bet. Easy. Bye. We have a lot of sponsors that made this show possible.
0: Make sure you check them out and give them your business.
2: This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of thelawofselfdefense.com. Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, the Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you.
0: And here's a shout out to our three brand new Patreon members, David, David, and Faisal. Thank you for your support. We're glad you're along for the ride. This is the Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0. They're one of our sponsors here on the show. Uh, companies owned by Alessandro Padavani, and we're Hosting him technically, uh, Meet the Press is hosting him up at your place, right?
1: In yep, February. Yep. Fifteenth of February is going to be the women's defense course, and the sixteenth Sunday, the sixteenth of February, is going to be the pokey. I call it the pokey pokey, the ins and outs of knife training course. Um, uh, ins and the ins and outs. Yeah, it's, uh, that's nice. I think that's it's clever. Nice. Ins and outs. Um, <laughs> but uh, and we're going to be doing the defensive knife training on on that Sunday. So great. Uh, Awesome. Glad to have them up here. I've had a lot of people, a lot of students asking about knife training, defensive knife training, how to use a knife, the differences between knives, et cetera. Um, and a lot of people don't take into account that, you know, that close quarters battle being up close to somebody, you're not, might not be able to get a gun out. Yeah. You, know, you might yeah, not getting be able to gun out
0: might not be the best option. True. You know? True.
1: I, I always say that if I, if I'm punching somebody, and I use this in a class, I'll like pick the smallest person. If I'm punching somebody in the face and they physically can't stop me from doing so. They may be justified in using a firearm, but if they introduce that firearm into that fist fight, they're not going to stop me from taking the gun from them. They physically can't do it. So a knife, knowing open hand tactics, defensive tactics, um, controlling the head, pressure points, stuff like that. It's crucial. It's important. If you don't have that that other skill set, the knife, the gun's only going to be as effective as it is if you can use it without you know, having them take it from you.
0: Sure. And, you know, you may be in one of those situations where you can't have the gun. You know, if I come visit you in New York, I won't be able to have my gun there. So what other tools do I have available to me to defend myself from my loved ones if I don't have the firearm? So I used to carry the knife all the time. I mean, I do carry a knife all the time. And and I used to think, well, you know, if I ever need it, I have it as a tool of defense. And, you know, I use them all the time to cut boxes and smoke and whatever else. But it wasn't until I took a class with Alessandro where I really realized how I would have used that knife might not have been the best way for me to do that. So I highly recommend people, if you carry a knife and intend to use it as a tool of defense, get some proper training. And I can't think of anyone better to take a class with than Alessandro. I hosted him two years ago, and it was a really, really fantastic course, well worth the time, effort, and energy to attend. One of the things he has is the 2.0 responder. And, you know, we take on that responsibility to be our own family first responder. And part of that is carrying the gun, carrying other tools of self-defense, being aware of our surroundings and and shepherding our flock. But we may need to administer first aid. You know, we might need to keep red stuff inside of a body. And what better way to carry it than using uh, this leg cuff, uh, this uh, 2.0 responder. This is the older version, his first version. And I've been carrying this now for about three, a little over three years, I believe. I think that's fair to say. Uh, And it has a tourniquet. I like to use the uh, soft tee. I've got an Israeli bandage, some chest seals, uh, some quick-clot gauze. I also carry a SWAT tourniquet as well. That's the big rubber bandy thing. Uh, That's my secondary. And actually, one of the reasons I carry that is because I have an 11-year-old son with tiny arms. Yeah. So the the, soft tee... (laughs) Might not work as efficiently on little tiny arms. Uh, You know, working on a a large human, uh, an adult-sized person, the Soft T would be my primary, certainly. It's much more efficient, easier to deploy. But I thought having this SWAT one with me is a good alternate, maybe for him if he needs it. But also with that, you can, like, make splints and all kinds of other other, other things. Other uses. And I've got a little baggie of non-emergency stuff, which is, you know, a little thing of Neosporin and some Band-Aids. Uh, and I have that clearly marked as non-emergency, so if I I can just throw it out of here. If I'm in a in a real emergency where I need to keep red stuff in the body, and then a uh, a clothes ripper. I like this uh, Columbia River Kurt. It's very small, but TSA hasn't taken this away from me yet. I've and lost I, a lot of maids.
1: and I bought two of them uh, f- because of your recommendation. So I I have I have it in my app I-fac as well.
0: Yeah, and I just I just kind of uh, I put some double sided. Uh, tape with uh, some velcro in the back and just kind of tucked it in here and it works real well now the the uh, version one i've been using it for a long time but he made some improvements with the version two and i have that here the version two has this grippy stuff on the inside mm-hmm. and it really keeps the keeps the material from coming up uh, i put a little dab of, of uh, silicone on the inside to help hold it in place but What he has in here really grips it tightly so you can pack the stuff in there and it won't come loose. Uh, A couple other things, it's a little lighter. uh, The Velcro is a little more stout. So uh, the 2.0 is really an improvement upon something that was already a fantastic product. So I highly recommend if you carry a firearm for personal defense, if you carry a firearm as a tool of defense to defend yourself or your loved ones, you should also consider carrying some first aid equipment as well.
1: Most definitely. I get a lot of people that say, well, I've got a, and I'll do this in a lot of my classes, I've got a belt on me. I'm like, "Uh, if you want me to do open heart surgery on you, do you want me to do it with a butter knife or do you want me to do it with a scalpel? You know, a, a belt could work. It's effective, but is it efficient? Yeah, you, good. You know, do you want that butter knife to be the way I I open I open up your heart or do you want me to use a, a tourniquet which is made for that situation? And a tourniquet can be used with one hand. Where a belt, you're not going to get it cinched down yeah. like you're like you're supposed to. And then other people say shoelaces or 550 cord or a tie, I'm like you wear a tie all the time everywhere, everything you do. No. Well, then that's not on you all the time so you can't say that that's that's effective
0: yeah there's something to be said about being able to improv like that and that's and that's good but with a product like this even with a suit on if i'm going to mason's lodge and i wear my suit i can still wear this very comfortably Uh, you can't tell that i have it on although sometimes you have to readjust your leg cuff i've had people see this and they thought maybe i had a gun on my ankle which is
1: attention to me i've had people say that in my class because i'll ask them where do you think i'm carrying "Oh, on your ankle i'm like you know that's first aid kit that's my my effect
0: so. But it's it's also been a great segue to open up a conversation with someone who maybe hasn't taken on the defensive lifestyle and become their own family first responder. Like, right. What do you have in your ankle? What's a med kit? Why do you carry that? Exactly. And so, you know, it, it may lead them to seeing the necessity of taking care of themselves because when police and, and uh, you know, EMS are needed, they're minutes away. So, you know, we're on our own for those seconds or minutes that take place prior to them getting there. So what better way to to prepare yourself for a medical emergency, than to have the stuff on you and the stuff that you need. Yeah, and get some training. Just don't carry this stuff and think just because you have it, you're good right. to go. Just but it doesn't have- take a whole lot of training to be comfortable and confident in right. using these tools. Right. Uh, the USCCA's Emergency First Aid Fundamentals program is fantastic. Be fast. Check that out. Uh, Caleb Kazi has a great video on Personal Defense Network. Uh, but I highly recommend to everybody go take a Stop the Bleed class. There's tons of instructors all across the nation teaching those they are very down and dirty, like a two-hour investment of your time. And when you're done, you should feel empowered to be able to use all the materials
1: that I have in that med kit. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and click that little bell to make sure you know when our next episode's uploaded. Until next time. Adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the
0: Pressers.